Well, hello, church family. Turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. This morning, we are uh, starting a new series that I'm calling How to Get Through What We're Going Through. And uh, what we're going through as a church family, what we're going through as a nation, really, and as a world community is absolutely unprecedented. Uh, we, we've, never, we've never been through this before. But there's really good news uh, in the midst of the seemingly bad news that's all around us. There's really some good news, and that is uh, that God is with us, and Scripture gives us that perspective. Uh, scripture really gives us the hope and the grace and the wisdom we need in order uh, to navigate this, this season that we're in. And here is, here's the thing that, um, that I really want you to see in what we're going through, and that is this. We're all going through it together. We're all in this together. We're all in the same boat, facing the same storm, together. And that is really good news as well. I mean, not only is God with us in the storm, which is what we're going to see from today's passage, but we have each other in this storm. We have the opportunity to rely on each other as a church family in ways uh, we've never done before. And I think that is a huge blessing and that is really, really good news. Now, speaking of boats and storms, I want us to look at a passage of scripture where the disciples find themselves in the same boat and facing the same storm. And I really love this passage of scripture uh, because I think we can learn a lot from their experience in the storm that applies to the current storm that we find ourselves in uh, right now. And so as we kind of begin, let me ask the question just to get you thinking. What storm are you facing right now? What, what uh, in, the, in the midst of kind of the craziness that's going on in the world today, in the midst of this coronavirus, which storm are you most concerned about right now? Now, it could be financial, it could be job-related, uh, it could be health-related, it could, it could be family-related, or even uh, have something to do with relationships in our life. And here's what I want us to see today, and that is this, that faith is the key to getting through what we're going through. Faith is the key to getting through uh, what we're going through. Trusting God is how we navigate this storm. And I think that's what we're gonna see in the passage of scripture today that we're gonna be looking at. In fact, uh, let's go ahead and, and take a moment and read uh, Mark's gospel, chapter four, verses 35 uh, through 41. And Mark records this, on, the day, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, and they said to him, "'Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing?' And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, before we jump into this passage, I want to I call your attention to some details that Mark gives us in, in this story. And there's what you'll notice in this passage of Scripture 
is that there are a number of significant or a number of seemingly insignificant details that really are very significant. Like, for example, you notice in verse 35, Mark tells us that it was evening. So that's a seemingly insignificant detail. But then you see in verse 36 that there were a lot of other boats around the boat that Jesus and the disciples were in. That's a seemingly another insignificant detail. And then you notice in verse 38 that Mark records that Jesus was in the stern, which is the back of the boat, and he was asleep on a cushion. And so you have a number of these details that just seem like they're rather insignificant and we read through this and we, we barely even notice them. But here is why those details are very, very specific. One of the commentators said related to these details and that the specificity of, these, of, these, of this kind of detail that, that Mark gives us in this story really demonstrates that this is an eyewitness account. That what we're reading is, is an eyewitness account that somebody experienced, that somebody saw this firsthand and testified to it, and Mark recorded it and, and then wrote it down. And what that means is this, that this is, this is not a legend, this is not folklore, this is, this is not mythology that we're seeing here. And the reason why is this, if you're writing mythology, if you're writing folklore, you're not going to record those those seemingly uh, insignificant details that are just not even germane to the story. And so what that means is this, it means that this really happened, that God, the God of the universe came to earth and he revealed himself to us in space and time and other human beings saw it and recorded it and wrote it down for our encouragement. And that is really good news because we, we need to understand uh, what it means to go through a storm. And we need to understand what it means to trust God in the storm. And so that is exactly what Jesus is doing, is helping us to understand what we need to do when we face storms as well. You see, another way of saying it would be this way. We can trust the word of God, that God has taken great, uh, great, great care in giving us his word and the revelation of himself to us so that we can trust him in the midst of the storm. And that is exactly where we find us ourselves today. We find ourselves in the storm. And so what I love about this story is there are three truths that, that I think just really pop out for us in this. And it, and it really kind of goes along these lines. We find ourselves in the storm, number one, by his appointment. We are in the storm right now by his appointment. Number two, we are in the storm with his presence. We are in the storm with his presence. And then number three, we are in the storm for his purposes, for his purposes. So what I wanna do is take a few minutes today and just, and just look at these three uh, great truths for us as we, as we think about the storm that we're currently in. So let's look at the first one. We're in the storm by his appointment. Now I want you to think about, think about the situation that all of us are in together and I want you to realize this. I want you to consider this just for a moment, that God knew that we would be in this storm the day before we were even born. Now just consider that for a minute, that God in his foreknowledge knew that we would be in this storm long before we were even born. 
And what that means is this, that this, this situation that we find ourselves in today may, have been, may be a surprise to us, but it was not a surprise to God. And the reason why is because God is sovereign over all things. He is, he is, like I said last week, He is large and in charge. He is in control. And so the gospel writer Mark wants us to see this great truth. In fact, look at what he says in verse 35. He says this, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to him, said to them, let us go across to the other side. Let us go across to the other side. Now, what's fascinating about this to me is you see that this entire trip was Jesus' idea. This was Jesus' idea to get in the boat and to go to the other side. And Jesus being the son of God in the flesh certainly knew that this storm was coming and he takes the disciples right into the middle of the storm. And so what you see is this, the disciples are in this storm, not because they were outside of the will of God, but because they were right in the middle of the will of God. They got right in this storm because they, they obeyed God. And that's absolutely huge. They're in this storm by the appointment of Jesus. Now there's an important distinction we really need to make. And it's this, that Jesus is sovereign over the storms, but he's not the source of every storm. Let me say that again. Jesus is sovereign over the storms, but he's not the source of every storm. Let me, let me explain what I mean. There are, there are storms in life that we experience that are really our own fault. They're a result of our own sinful choices. You know, sometimes I am my own worst enemy. I, I make dumb decisions and I, I don't always obey God, and, and that, um, that causes storms. And you've probably experienced the same thing as well. Sometimes I am the biggest problem in my own life. And so sometimes we can bring about storms ourselves through our own choices. But there are also storms in life that come from the enemy, that come from Satan himself, the prince of darkness. And his desire is to pull us down, to get us discouraged, he wants to lie to us and accuse us and try to steal the abundant life that God gives us. And so he will bring about storms in our lives. But there's another source of the storms, and, and this is especially relevant to where we are today, and it's this, that there are storms that come from the fact that we live in a fallen world, that the world that we live in is, is really sin-cursed and is, is characterized by natural disasters and diseases and pandemics and death. And so the storm that we're in right now is really the result of the fact that we live in a fallen world. But don't miss this, church family. God has allowed this storm by his appointment. Look at what it says in verse, in verse 36. Mark records this, and leaving the crowd, they took, they took him with him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Now, the storm was upon them. The waves were flowing in over the side of the boat. The boat was beginning to capsize. The wind was blowing furiously. And so the, the disciples begin to panic because they're in the storm. And that's exactly how the storms of life feel to us. It, it makes us feel like panicking. And it could be for you that uh, even this week, you've had to lay off your staff. Or maybe you were the staff that someone else laid off. Or it could be that you're not feeling well physically. 
or that you're discouraged because of future uncertainty in your life. And so what is, what is all of that? The, that is, that's the storms of life that God has us in. And so we are in this storm by his appointment. And so he knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly what we need. And he has promised to use this for good and to take care of us with his goodness and power. In fact, Jesus said it like this in John 16, 33. He said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, tribulation and trials, according to Jesus, are really part of of life in a fallen world. But the good news of the gospel is this, that Jesus has overcome the world. And as Christians, if we are in Christ and Christ has overcome the world, that means that we've overcome the world as well. That, it, that we have overcome because we are in Christ. And so scripture is very clear that, that God takes all things and, and works them together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose in our lives. And so we can trust his appointment for us right now in the midst of the storm that we're all facing. Now, typically when we're in a storm, the first question that comes to my mind, probably comes to your mind as well, is this, why me, God? Why me? You know, and we automatically think, God, God must be mad at us or something. Really, the question we want to be asking prayerfully is, God, what do you want to teach me? God, how do you, how do you want to grow me? And how do, you, how do you want to change me? Because that's at the heart of why God allows the storms in our life, as we're going to see a little bit later in this passage. Randy Alcorn has written a book called, If God is Good, and then the subtitle is Faith in the Midst of Suffering and Evil. And uh, Randy Alcorn talks about a friend of his who's a writer. Her name is Ethel Herr, and she had a double mastectomy. And two months after the surgery, the doctor shared with her the, the really bad news that the cancer had come back with a vengeance. And one of her friends uh, was just kind of awkward, uh, just didn't know really what to say as she was trying to make conversation with Ethel. Uh, just kind of asked her, well, how do you feel about God now? And this is what Ethel's response to her, her friend was, as she was diagnosed with this terminal cancer. She writes this, As I sought to explain what has happened in my spirit, it all became clear to me. God has been preparing me for this moment. He has undergirded me in ways I've never known before. He has made himself increasingly real and precious to me. He has given to me joy such as, such as I have never known before, and I have no need to work at. It just comes, even amidst the tears. He has taught me that no matter how good my genes are or how well I take care of my diet and myself, he will lead me on whatever journey he chooses, and he will never leave me for a moment of that journey. And he planned it all in such a way that step by step, he prepared me for the moment when the doctor dropped this last shoe. She goes on to say, God is good, no matter what the diagnosis or the prognosis, or the fearfulness or the uncertainty of having neither. The key to knowing God, the key to knowing that God is good is simply knowing him. What a great, what a great quote. You see, Jesus has the disciples in this boat 
and he's led them right into the storm by his appointment. And that's exactly what he has for us as well. He wants to show his glory and his goodness. He wants to show his power in the midst of the storm. But there's a second truth about the storm that we're in, and it's this, that we are in the storm with his presence. We are in the storm right now with the presence of Jesus. He is with us. Look at what verse 38 says. Mark records this. Verse 38, but when he was, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, here's what I want you to notice about this. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was, he was sleeping. He was sawing logs. Uh, and I really like that. He wasn't waking up. And so the disciples are freaking, but Jesus is sleeping. Uh, the, the disciples are panicking and Jesus is at peace. And so they wake him up and they, they ask him, don't you care that we're perishing? And so really what they're saying in this is they're saying, they're saying, Jesus, if you really loved us, you wouldn't allow this storm to come upon us. If you really cared about us, uh, you wouldn't allow us to sink and to drown. You, if you really loved us, you wouldn't allow us to be experiencing this storm. Now that's, a, that's an interesting question, and that's a question that, that all, all too often we're asking and uh, we're saying to God ourselves. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to notice a couple of things about Jesus and how he reacts. The first thing is this, that Jesus never panics. He never panics. They, they wake him up. They ask him, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus doesn't panic. Jesus is with us in the storm and Jesus never panics in the storm. Think about this. He never, he never has to dial 777 and say, hey, get God the Father and get God the Holy Spirit in here for an emergency meeting right now. He never has to do that because in the storm, Jesus never panics, never panics. And then the second thing I want you to see, and this is most important, and it's this, that Jesus is with us in the storm. Jesus is with us in the storm. Mark tells us that Jesus is sleeping in the stern, in the back of the boat. And it reminds me that whatever storm we're going through, Jesus is with us every step of the way. He never panics and he's always with us. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of King David in the 23rd Psalm where he says, he says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why does he say that? Well, he goes on to say, because you are with me, because you are with me, your rod and your staff, your presence comforts me in the storm. That's exactly what David is saying. And so church family, what I want you to see is this, it's such a simple truth, but it's so powerful when you, when you really realize it, Jesus is with you. In fact, I love how the writer of Hebrews says it uh, in Hebrews 13, five. He says this, I will never leave you. He's quoting Jesus. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And I love that because, because really, if you, if you apply that passage to our situation, you would, you would say it this way. Jesus says, I'm never gonna leave you. I will never forsake you. I am your helper. What can the coronavirus do to you? Nothing because the coronavirus isn't a sovereign God. 
Jesus is our sovereign God and he is with us in the storm. And so what can man do to us? What can a, a downturn in the economy do to us? What a small little virus, what can it do to us? Because we serve an awesome and sovereign God. And so the point that the writer uh, of Hebrews is saying is that God is with us every step uh, in whatever storm that we're going through. Now, the question then becomes this. Well, sometimes in the midst of the storms, you, you, you feel anxious, you feel scared, you, you feel fearful. Uh, you don't always feel the presence of God. So what do you do in that situation when you don't really feel like Jesus is with you in the storm? Well, I think, I think the answer is pretty simple. You really, you really go to God in prayer. You, you talk to God. You begin praying and talking to Him throughout the storm. And so the reason why you can do it is because Jesus is always with you. And so you can talk to Him. You know, years ago, I, I, I read a story about about the Reverend Billy Graham. This was back in the early 1980s and uh, he was gonna do an interview on the Today Show. And uh, he had arrived a little bit early and so he was waiting for his time to be interviewed. And the producer uh, just shared with Billy Graham's assistant that they had a room set aside for Billy Graham to pray uh, while he was waiting to be interviewed on the Today Show. And so they had made this space, um, set aside it for, for Billy Graham's use that day. And the, and the assistant said, um, no, thank you. He'll not be needing that. And that really took the producer off, kind of caught him off guard a little bit. And he, and he said, well, this is, this is the most famous Christian leader in the entire world. Why would he not go into a room uh, and spend that time praying? And Billy Graham's assistant said this. He said, well, Mr. Graham started praying the moment that he woke up. And Mr. Graham kept praying all the way through breakfast. And Mr. Graham has been praying all the way over in the car ride over to the studio. And the reality is Mr. Graham will be praying all the way through the interview. Now, I love that story. And it really makes me ask a question. Why would Billy Graham uh, pray like that? And I think the answer is pretty simple is because he was absolutely convinced of the promises of God and the presence of God every step of the way. I mean, think about the implication of Hebrews 13, five. If Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you, he really means I am never gonna leave you and I'm never gonna forsake you. And so what that means for you and for me is we can talk to him. We can tell him how we're feeling. We can tell him our needs. We can tell him what we're concerned about. We can tell him uh, our fears. We can tell him everything because Jesus is always with us. We are in the storm by his appointment and with his presence. And that is really good news. But there's a last one that I wanna share with you. And it's number three. We are in the storm for his purposes. We are in the storm for his purposes. I want you to think about this just for a minute. If God has allowed this storm to happen, and that, and not only has God allowed this storm, but he's with us in the storm, then that means he has a purpose for the storm that we're in. He has a purpose. Another way of saying it would be this. You could say it this way, that God has a purpose for every single problem that we face. God has a purpose for every single problem that we face. I shared with you last week that, that God really wants to grow our faith. He wants to change us. He wants to, he wants to transform us. And God uses two tools to transform every one of us. 
He uses, first of all, the tool of the, the Word of God. He, he uses truth to transform us. But secondly, we're transformed by trials. He uses truth, the Word of God, and trials and tribulations to transform us. Life really is a series of problems. As soon as you get one solved, you move right into the next problem. Sometimes we experience problems that are really big, like the one we're in right now. Sometimes we experience problems that are small. It, it doesn't really matter. God, is, God has a purpose for all of the problems that we face. And so what he wants to do is he wants to grow our reliance on him. He wants us to rely on his power instead of our own strength. I heard one pastor say it like this, you will never know that God is all that you need until God is all that you've got. And what a great truth that is. You'll never know that God is all that you need until God is all that you've got. And so really this story is about uh, the revelation of the, of the power of God to the disciples. Jesus wants to show them his power that his power is greater than any storm that we face. And so, and so he wants to take his power and apply it to their character, more specifically, their greatest fear. And so the disciples are asking Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? You see, the disciples didn't wanna die. They were afraid to die. And so they're calling out to Jesus out of fear and they're basically saying to him, we don't wanna die. And so what happens is when you trust the word of God and you trust the power of God, you become like God. And that's exactly what we see happen throughout the story of the gospels in the character of the disciples. You see the spirit of God transforming them. You see what happens is very shortly the disciples would see the power of Jesus. Very shortly, they would see the character of Jesus. Very shortly, they would experience the death of Jesus. And not long after that, they would experience the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. And through all that they experienced, you see this amazing growth and transformation take place in their character. They came to a place where they were willing to die for Jesus. They came to a place where they would willingly and joyfully choose martyrdom, where they would say, I cannot deny the one who died for me. And so, and so really the greatest miracle in this story is not Jesus calming the wind and the waves, although that is a great trick. The greatest miracle of the story is what he accomplishes in the character of the disciples. Church family, what I want you to know is this, he is doing the same thing in you and in me. In fact, the good news of the gospel from Philippians 1 is this, that he that began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so that is the source of great hope for us in the midst of a storm. Now, I want you to notice something in verse 39 that I think is is kind of comical here. You notice uh, the emotions of the disciples. They're, they're very similar to us. But notice what Mark records in verse 39. He says this, And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind 
and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to, said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you, have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, he says. And they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, what is, what is fascinating about that account is the disciples were afraid before Jesus calmed the storm. And now they're even more afraid after he calmed the storm. Do you notice that? It's absolutely amazing. I mean, they are terrified after they realize the power of God right in front of them in the person of Jesus Christ. And so there are, there are three questions really in this story. The disciples asked two of them and Jesus asks one of them. The disciples asked Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? You know, don't you even care that uh, we're going through this right now? I mean, if you really loved us, you wouldn't allow us to go through this, most certainly, right? And, and so that's the disciples' first question. And then Jesus responds to them by saying, you know, where's your faith in this? Oh, you of little faith, where's your faith? In other words, what, what Jesus is saying is this. He's saying, he's saying, you know what? I can love someone and take them through a storm. I have the power to love someone and take them through a storm and use that storm for good and for life. In other words, you, you should know that I, can, that I can love people and then take them through the storm at the same time. And that's really what you see all the way through Scripture. Think about, think about the entire story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Think about how God could have kept Joseph out of the pit and out of prison in Egypt. Think about how God could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. Or how he could have kept Moses out of the Red Sea. Or how he could have kept Paul from being shipwrecked three times or how God could have kept three Hebrew men from being thrown into the furnace. You see, God could have prevented all of that, but the reality is God had a purpose for all of it, and God has a purpose for the storm that we're going through right now. And I think what he wants to show the disciples, and I think what he wants to show us is this, that we cannot control the storm that we're in right now. We have no control over the storm. And not only do we not have control over the storm we're in, but we cannot control the Lord of the storm either. But there's a huge difference that you can't miss. And it's this, the storm doesn't love you. The storm doesn't love you, but the Lord of the storm does love you. He really does. And he has promised to use this storm for good in our lives. See, if you're not a Christian, if you've not believed the gospel and received Jesus into your life, then the truth is you're at the mercy of the storm. The truth is for you that all things don't work together for good. But if, you, but if you've embraced the gospel, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, then, then you have access to the mercy and to the love of the Lord of the storm, and that is Jesus Christ. And so as you kind of think about this, you ask the question, well, Scott, how do I really know that Jesus loves me? And the answer to that question is really simple. Just look at the cross. Just look at the cross of Christ. Jesus allowed himself 
to be drowned in our sins. He allowed himself to go down into the grave, the place where we should have gone. But he did it taking our place because he loved us and because he cared about us. And if God takes care of our sins and he takes care of, of our eternity, he will take care of us. He will take care of us right now. And so I, I don't know where you are right now. Uh, I know that for all of us, we all face a storm, but it could be that you've never taken that step of faith. It could be that you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I want to just tell you how to do it. It's very simple. If you'd like to become a Christian today, I want to just encourage you. The Bible says to repent and believe, to repent of your sins and to believe the gospel that Jesus Christ took your place on that cross. And the Bible says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I wanna encourage you to take that step today. And if you are a Christian and you are uh, facing fear and uncertainty and concern, just like all of us, I wanna encourage you, you can trust the Lord of the storm. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you, you have power greater than the storm that we find ourselves in. Our prayer is, God, that you would calm the storm. And I pray that, in the, that you would take the steps to give us peace and the faith to trust you in the midst of the storm. Thank you that you are good, that you love us, and you are with us. And we pray this in Jesus' name.